So this morning we've already heard some words on the theme of renew and to think about the change that is about to take place here. We are going to renew and renovate these facilities. And we believe that that is going to, to help us in this mission that God has given us to proclaim the good news, uh, to proclaim the excellencies of the one who's called us out of darkness and into this marvelous light to our our friends, our neighbors, uh, people who just drop by on a whim. I, I like what Donovan said about this parlor area and not even knowing what we can use that for just yet, just dreaming big about all the different things we can do with a space, a medium-sized space for furthering the kingdom. And I would invite all of us to be in prayer uh, that God would, would guide us, uh, that we would have an attentive ear to his voice, uh, that God would... Uh, help us, help us see where he's leading us and the things that we can do in the future. But of course, renew and renovation, it's, it's important to update our facilities, but much more importantly is the renovation of the heart. And really, that's, that's why we are here. That's why we are gathered together in Christ, is for this spiritual renewal that we, we all seek. So here, here are a few lines that we've sung together this morning already. Breathe, oh, breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled heart. Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotted may we be. But breathe on me breath of God, the prayer that we just sang together. That, that's an interesting image. Uh, maybe for some of us, as we, we sang that song, we were thinking back to the scene of Jesus in the Gospel of John after he was raised from the dead. And he gathered his disciples in a room and he literally breathed on them. He breathed his spirit on them. He said, receive the spirit. And, and C.S. Lewis picked up on that image in his children's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you have read that, you remember the, the lion Aslan going and breathing on the statues of stone. And when he breathed on them, those statues came back to life. What Lewis was picking up on is what we find in the Gospels, what we find in that story of Jesus, that renewal in, in life is connected to the activity of God's Spirit. And this should not surprise us at all when we look at Scripture. We can go back to the very beginning. Uh, the Hebrew word for spirit uh, can mean spirit or wind or breath. Uh, these invisible realities. And that is taken to the New Testament as well, the word in Greek. For spirit. So we go back to the opening of the Bible, to the creation itself, and, and the scene opens up in darkness, and it opens up with the spirit, wind, breath of God hovering over the waters, the chaotic waters. And then last week, we talked about the vision from Ezekiel that Ezekiel had of the valley of dry bones and God reassembling those bones, and then God puts his spirit, wind, breath into those bones and gives them life, a promise of the renewal of God's people that is fulfilled later on after the resurrection of Jesus at Pentecost when God pours his spirit, wind, breath onto the people in Acts chapter 2. And all those elements are there in Acts chapter 2. So God's spirit is involved in creation but it's also involved in what we call new creation, this, this new humanity that's been ushered in through Jesus Christ. And this idea of renewal 
is going to come to the forefront this morning in our sermon passage in Psalm 51. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 51, it's in the middle of your Bible. The Psalms are the, represent the songbook, not only of the Old Testament, but also of the church. Uh, the church, up until a couple of centuries ago, sang the Psalms. That was the songbook, and that's something that we're trying to recapture in small ways here at Brentwood Oaks. But Psalm 51 is a psalm of penitence, it's a psalm of confession. It is a psalm that many of us have internalized in our hearts. We sing a song that comes directly from this. We sing it, well, we'll sing it later on in our assembly this morning. But let's hear these words. I'm going to read the Psalm 51 in its entirety. And let's think about the theme of renewal as we hear these words. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before you or before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, or renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up your walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. The bulls will be offered on your altar. May God bless the reading of his word. So here's a question for the children, and it's also for adults looking back. Were you ever part of a secret club? Were you ever part of an exclusive club? Did you have a clubhouse? Did you have a place where you met with others? 
Maybe you had a sign that said, no boys allowed, or no girls allowed. Maybe you had a secret handshake, or a secret password, and if someone didn't know the password, they were denied access to the club. So travel in memory lane, if you will. Well, we, we take those skills that we develop in our childhood, those skills of denying and granting access, we take those into our adulthood, and really they come in handy. We do it now for our own protection. Uh, we live in very strange times where our personal information is power. And so we, we have some secrets. We have some things we try to keep hidden. Our bank accounts... Our credit card accounts, our social security numbers, we try to do whatever we can to protect those because there are those in this world who have made it their mission to try to steal our secret information. And they're getting quite good at it. Uh, The other day, I had a phone call, and it, it was related to something going on in our lives right now. And it was a woman on the other line, and her answers were very strange. And so we were going back and forth, and, and I said, now, who are you with again? And she said, uh-huh. So I started to ask more questions, and about a minute into it, I said, I don't think I'm talking to a real person. And there was a pause. And then without any emotion, I haven't got that question before. I'm on a very strange script, or I'm on a very tight script. So I started to ask some more questions, and then this person started to ask some personal questions about our finances and I finally figured out I was talking to a machine it was difficult to figure that out at first it was a local number it's getting harder to protect our personal information and so we developed these strong passwords in order to deny access And we think about it as kind of living a life of paranoia. We're all in this group paranoia. We change our passwords. We move things around to keep things hidden. We tried to deny access. Well, the reason why I bring this up is because of the image we have in Psalm 51 in verse 6. Where the psalmist says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Now that phrase, secret heart, there are different translations. Some of your Bibles may say secret place or the inmost place. I think the King James Version says the hidden part. And in one of my conversation partners that I was reading this week, one of the ideas behind this word of secret, secret heart is the idea of plugging up a water source. And so if we, are, if we have an army and we're trying to invade a city, one of the things that we want to do is we want to cut off the resources. We want to cut off the water supply. And what, what will happen is that will quicken the surrender. But on the other side of that are people who are being invaded, people who are actually in the city. And one of the things that they did in the ancient world, and it, it even happens in the Old Testament, is people in the city that are being invaded try to plug up the water sources and divert those water sources to secret areas. So when the enemy comes, they're not able to find those water sources and the people may be able to survive for a while in the city. 
uh, without the invaders knowing. This is the secret heart that the psalmist is talking about. The places that are kept hidden from invaders. Or to keep in line with an earlier analogy, those secret passwords that we have to protect ourselves from those who are invading and trying to seek our information. But the way this is used in Psalm 51 is very interesting. So, at the top of the psalm, at the very beginning of the psalm, when you look in your Bibles, you should have an inscription. Maybe it's in all caps or maybe it's in italics. And it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, just a Bible study note those inscriptions at the beginning of the Psalms are not original to the Psalms. Those are added later. So we don't know for sure if David wrote this. And yet when we read about David's life, and we read about this particular situation, and we read Psalm 51, we see the connecting points for sure. David, during the time when the kings should have been out leading his army in battle, he stayed home. David was idle. David was walking on the roof, and he looked over the side of the roof, and he saw a woman bathing, and he took her into his palace to have for his own. And this starts some terrible events, a terrible cycle in the life of David, a cycle of adultery and lying and deceit and murder and cover-up, and this from a man who is described as being after God's own heart. He is the greatest king of Israel, of whom all the other kings are measured. And he experiences this tremendous fall from grace, this insidious moral failure. And who knows? Who knows how long David would have gone if God had not confronted him through the prophet Nathan and exposed his sin and what we have in this story of David and Bathsheba is really what makes sin so sinister. It's, it's this horrible part about sin when it takes root, and it's this idea of self-deception. See, David has some places in his heart that were password protected. God was seeking to invade his heart, and David had denied access to God. He had plugged up those water sources so that God could not take a hold of him and what's truly frightening about David's situation that is he didn't really realize how far he had truly fallen. He had barricaded those secret places to a point where he had lost track of himself. He had lost track of his spiritual health. He had tossed the passwords away and denied God access, but not only God. In a strange way, David had denied access to himself, and that is a truly frightening place to be for any of us. Which is why Psalm 51 is such a gift to the church, such a gift to all of us. Whether David wrote this or not, we can all find ourselves in his story. We can all find ourselves with those little compartments in our hearts that are password protected. We all have those little areas where we deny access from others, we deny access to God for whatever reason. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to hide from God, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. 
We know what it's like to live in shame. We know what it's like to run away from the consequences of sin. And this morning, there may be those among us who are in a state of self-deception where we really can't see ourselves for who we truly are. We've turned a blind eye. We have rationalized, even on a subconscious level. Well, maybe there are those among us who do recognize, maybe fully or partly, that we do have those password-protected areas in our hearts. And to give God access to those areas would require change. And we might not want that change. Change is painful. Change involves us leaving the familiar and venturing out into the wilderness. Change involves a renewal of our thinking, a renewal of our minds, a reworking of habits, a renewal of routines. And if we're honest, we might not want that as much as we should. We like the idea of transformation. I like the idea of being transformed, but the process to get there, that's, that's a bit much. So whatever metaphor we choose, hiding in the garden or plugging up the water sources or using passwords to protect those secret areas of our heart, whatever metaphor we choose, whenever we deny access to God to those, those different compartments, we are the ones who are in control. We are the ones who have independence. We are the ones who have the power over our own lives. But one of the consistent things we find in Scripture is the story of God and His people and human beings fighting for their independence, and every time we fight for our independence, it ends up in devastating ways. There are devastating consequences, and you can just do a survey of Scripture. You see it from Adam and Eve to Cain to the Tower of Babel to uh, Achan and the story of Joshua and the judges and the wilderness generation and Samson and the kings and certainly David in this terrible episode in his life. There are major consequences for denying God access to those inward places. And David's downward spiral is really representative of, of all of our downward spirals when we try to take matters into our own hands, when we try to live life our own way, when we tell God, you know what, you can have access to our hearts, to all the parts of our hearts except for these compartments here. You don't have jurisdiction here. That's under our control. You can just stay away. So this morning, we have the opportunity to think about the theme of Renew, and not just this morning, but in the weeks, months to come, this year, really, for the rest of our lives. We're in the time of the year where we're thinking about goals. We've had a fresh start, and we're thinking about our resolutions even our spiritual resolutions. And as we do that, Psalm 51 becomes a great conversation partner for us because it's in this psalm, a psalm of David, where we find the beginning 
of spiritual renewal. Psalm 51 opens up with, with the psalmist recognizing his own sin. He finally sees who he is through the mirror. And if this is David, he sees it after the confrontation with Nathan. Nathan helps him out, helps him see himself for who he truly is. And really, we need another pair of eyes on us if we truly want to be transformed. But the renewal begins in verse 6, what we read earlier. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. You see, it's at that moment, it's at that awakening where we see the psalmist really becoming tired of hiding. It's at that moment where the psalmist hands over the passwords. It's at that moment where the psalmist unplugs the water sources and gives God access to those secret areas of his life. And he says, I've messed this up. I can't handle this anymore. Where does spiritual renewal begin? It begins with that kind of openness, that kind of honesty, that honest assessment with ourselves, that kind of transparency, and that kind of vulnerability. As long as we keep those secret areas secret and deny God access, He cannot give us the new heart which we seek. As long as we seek and maintain independence from God in those areas of our lives, we live under the illusion of freedom. It looks like freedom. God can't come in here. I make the decisions. That looks like freedom, but really that's the devil's workshop. As we see over and over again, not only in Scripture, but we see it in our own lives. We see it play out over and over again in a vicious cycle. But in Psalm 51, the psalmist is weary. He's tired of the dead end. He's tired of the downward spiral. He's tired of the shame. He's ready to surrender. It's the first step of the famous 12-step process from Alcoholics Anonymous. We admit that we are powerless over alcohol or over sex addiction or over whatever it is. We admit that we are powerless and that our lives have become unmanageable. Well, that's Psalm 51. That's, that's that first step. Psalm 51. It's only when we're ready for that kind of vulnerability, when we're ready to hand God the passwords to those secret places, that we are truly ready to pray, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And all this begins with a broken and contrite heart. The sacrifices God does not delight in. What, what gives God delight... What gives life to those sacrifices is the attitude behind that, the brokenness. It's, it's in that brokenness and honesty before God where the master surgeon can truly do the heart surgery necessary, that heart surgery that we want. So, are we ready for spiritual renewal in 2020? 
Are we ready to truly pray that prayer and internalize that prayer that we sang earlier? Breathe on me, breath of God, the spirit of transformation. Well, if we're ready, it's time to give God access. It's time to hand over the passwords. It's time to unplug the water sources. It's time to come out of hiding hiding from God and hiding from ourselves. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what Jesus and Paul and the New Testament writers spend so much time on. They talk about the future, for sure. Our future inheritance and what we talked about last week when God will make all things new and uh, when God will be fully present with his people in the new heavens and the new earth Uh, that's to come but the point of emphasis in the new testament and really all the scripture is the here and now and god rescuing us from hell on earth god rescuing us from ourselves and by god's grace through the power of the cross through the power of the empty tomb and through the power of his spirit god is hovering over us in the chaotic waters, ready to recreate us, to recreate something new. God is a God of new creation. And the good news, the word of grace, is that it is available to us. It is there for the taking. If we're ready to let God have his way with us, the renewal is available if we're ready to surrender So the image from Psalm 51 is an invasion. There is a a, a foreign person who is invading our hearts. God is invading our hearts, and He wants every part of us. He is a jealous God, jealous for our own sake. Are we ready to let Him in and give access? Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the beginning of renewal. That is the beginning of spiritual renewal. And my prayer for us individually and also corporately as a church that we will be ready and open to God having his way with us. We're going to sing Psalm 51 here in a moment. But I want to offer an invitation. It's an invitation to respond to this good news. If, if your lives have become unmanageable, if, if you have gone your own way, for a long period of time and you're tired of it, you're weary of this journey, you have the opportunity to let your church family, people who have gone through this before, people who are ready to surround you and walk by your side and pray with you and help you and support you, you can come to the front. If you're not comfortable doing that in a public way, we will have an elder in the chapel following our service to pray with you and to to let others in to the spiritual battles that you're facing. If you have come to a, a, a point of faith and you're ready to surrender, to be baptized, to pass through the waters of baptism, to be raised, to walk in newness of life, as Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we can accommodate that this morning for sure. Uh, if you have been here for a while and you've, you've talked with us and you're ready to join in with what God is, is doing among us, the, uh, here among the church family, here in Austin, Texas at Brentwood Oaks, 
uh, we invite you to come and respond as we stand and as we sing.